The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape for episode 10 of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. Good evening, everybody. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. Joining me, as per usual, the whole gang is here tonight. My co-host, Stephen Er III. What's going on, everybody? Glad to be back after missing last week's show. Brandon Biscuping. Hey, guys. What's up? And our traditional producer-turned-co-host for the evening, Eric Watkins. Oh, it's been a long, strange day. <laughs> Longer Stranger Day if you're a Dodgers fan. Dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. As well as the man on the ones and twos, Sean Garmer. Although he won't be paying attention to us, he's too busy watching the game. <laughs> because of course he is. Hey guys, we made it to double digits. Woohoo! Yay! Milestone. Not only did we make it to double digits, we've made it to double digits without skipping a week. Yep. That's a good, that's a big accomplishment. That's I good. had the un- I had the under on that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had made that. Bet. Yeah, I've only missed one week. Likewise, I've only missed one. And I since he wasn't here last week, I'll thank him for it now in person. Uh, thanks for filling in for me as the host, Stephen. You did an awesome job. Appreciate that. And with that being said, let's get into what makes the kickoff great. Let's start with our opening segment. We call it Studs and Duds. Mr. Producer Man, you're up first. Eric, hit me. Who's your stud for the week? Now, we witnessed, quite honestly, an epic battle Sunday afternoon between two dynamic, relatively young quarterbacks. And while it was entertaining, there was one victor. My stud is that victor, Russell Wilson. 451 yards and four touchdowns, including the game winner when a certain coach didn't have enough faith in his pivot to get it done. My hat goes off to thee. Brandon, yeah, hit he had me. A really, yeah, Russell Wilson had a really good game. That was my, that was my original choice, but Eric got it before me. My stud for this week is John Wolford, a 461-yard and five-touchdown game in a win over Louisville. Obviously, Louisville not exactly the team that everyone thought they would be in the beginning of the season, but still a very good game against a pretty strong team. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman last year. He came back this year wanting a ACC title to go with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> Hilarious. Steven, hit me, stud. I'm, so I'm flipping over from Eric's stud. My stud is Deshaun Watson. He's the Texans quarterback, more like Houston Texas prodigy. 402 yards passing, four touchdowns. Yes, he threw three picks, but one was in garbage time. I don't want to – I wouldn't count that one. Uh, yeah, the fact that Houston even started Tom Savage to start the season – is a joke. Very glad that Sean Watson is getting his chance, and he's making the most of it. 
Well, Bill O'Brien is of the philosophy that you don't start a rookie quarterback immediately to start the season. Frankly, Cleveland would have done well to service Deshaun Kaiser by not starting him to start the season as well because now he's gone into the quarterback quarterback carousel. We'll talk more about the Cleveland situation a little bit later on in the show. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) We call that it. We call that a teaser. Anywho, my stud, for the, my stud for the week, and I absolutely hate to say this because it physically pained me watching this game. Quite literally, I had chest pains watching this game. Is the University of Georgia Bulldog defense. <laughs> when you yeah, come with like that beat down. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, Brandon. Does your team even have a college football team? Anyway, no, we've been undefeated since like the the 1980s. (laughs) You guys went the route of University of Alabama, Birmingham, except you didn't bring your team back. Anywho, to my to my point to my point about Georgia here, the University of Florida Gators have not been shut out since 1983, I believe, was the number that the announcers gave on the CBS broadcast of the game. That Georgia Bulldog defense came within about six minutes of breaking that streak. Florida gets a garbage touchdown midway through the fourth quarter in a 42-7 to loss in a game dominated by Georgia's defense. Yeah, their running back combination ain't bad either, unfortunately. It, 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 it was one of those to where I was looking a little bit at that game and I'm like, God, I wish I had tickets. Because 7, then 14, then they kept scoring. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Are they really going to pitch a shutout? Oh, oh, wait, never mind. No. Since you brought it up, though, Harry, I got to do a little uh, non-football-related plug just because you brought it up. Pirates, nationally ranked to start off the season. College basketball? Yes. That won't last in the Big East. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right. We talked about our studs. Let's flip it around, drop it in reverse it into our duds. Eric, you start. Well, Sid, we did bring it up. Thank you for the glorious segue because there was a certain coach, back-to-back SEC East division titles, who for somehow or another fell completely off a cliff. Then there was a whole big thing about family members and players getting death threats. That was mentioned. And next thing you know, said coach is out of a job. My dud, the recently departed from the Gators, Jim McElwain. Sorry, but as much as that one day made my life a wondrous dream, you gots to go. <laughs> oh, what a fall for, from grace for the Gators from Urban Meyer. I have I have actually received a telegram from Albert, the University of Florida mascot. He had this to say, I'ma bite you. <laughs> For some reason Albert thinks he's Yoda. Anywho. <laughs> Brandon, you're up. Dud. My my dud for this week is Kenny Hill, quarterback from TCU, only yeah. threw for 135 yards and two interceptions in a 14-7 to loss to Iowa State. Yes, Iowa State is ranked, but still, how do you not even, why, how do you just put up one touchdown and throw two interceptions? 
Iowa State, you say? Hmm. Yes. Like, I think we're talking about them later as well. This is an entire <laughs> show full of segues. <laughs> Funny that Brandon brings up Kenny Hill. I had him as a Heisman favorite past couple weeks, and then he goes and does this against Iowa State, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, there goes that. <laughs> well, and that's another epitome of a dud. And another thing we'll be talking about later in the Heisman Trophy. Man, you guys are just full of segues to start this thing off. <laughs> we're, we're that good. Indeed. Steven, hit me. Who's your dud for the week? My dud for the week is uh, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Travis Benjamin. And it's not because of what he did during the receiving game. It's what he did in the return game. How do you go eight yards backward into the end zone for safety? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, that oh, was so God. much fun to see. How? How do you do that? I mean, it takes oh, a trip. I, <laughs> it takes a lot to be do something like that. Oh yeah, I I saw that as it happened on TV, and I was just like, "Wow, you're stupid." I love. Can it. I just can I just point out the fact that it takes a lot of talent to suck that badly? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I, I, and I mean, a severe lack of common sense to not realize. Hey, I'm going backwards. I need to cut my losses and just flop to the ground. You don't think of that at least once while you're running and scampering? Not just that, but also, hey, I'm not that far from the end zone. I should probably start moving forward instead of backwards. Yeah, that that that's pretty crucial in the game last time I checked. <laughs> to, uh... To paraphrase what Keyshawn Johnson used to say, no one give him the damn ball. (laughs) I believe we have a group honorable dud for this week, and that would be the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Nationally nationally televised Thursday night game against the Baltimore Ravens. And you put a goose egg up. Not only do you put up a good, not only do you put up a goose egg, you get forty hung on you. I said I thought a team was going to drop fifty this week. It didn't happen, but Baltimore dropped Baltimore dropped forty in a shutout on Miami. That's like dropping fifty in a normal game. Yeah, it, I was just I was just about to say, I was just about to say if if they scored, they would have. You drop forty and a shutout. And for a significant portion of that game, you're going up against Ryan Mallett. I'm sorry. That's like getting sick. Hey, 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 Eric, Eric, don't you dare disgrace the good name of Ryan Mallett. Sean will be back on this podcast in nothing flat to defend his Arkansas Razorback. Yeah, the fact that I just said that Brandon Allen should be the best Jaguars quarterback, so we're even. So there. My actual dud for this particular week, though, is the Detroit Lions red zone offense. 483 yards for Detroit against Pittsburgh on Sunday night football. They score 15 points, which is awesome until you consider the fact that those 15 points are on five field goals. It is the third most yards put up by a team to not score a touchdown in NFL History. That just takes a special skill set to do something like that. To be that fantastic for 
80 yards of the field, four-fifths of it, and then that final fifth, it's like, oh, yeah, no, we forgot that, no, we don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't care about the red zone at all. I, I believe I believe to put it into a jersey adaptation, it would be, do you even red zone, bro? <laughs> jersey represent. Yep. And that officially takes us through our studs and duds segment. We move on into so. That happened. Hey, Calvin Benjamin's a Buffalo Bill now, guys. Hey, maybe that'll help you this week. You can save your comments on this game for a little bit later, Brandon. I know where you're going with this. You shut your dirty mouth. Eric, you were saying. (laughs) I I was going to say, it's it's another weapon for Tyrod Taylor, potentially, which is good. But now who's Cam Newton going to throw to? Kind of bad. Himself. Not that he he knows the routes to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this really hurts the Panthers um, a lot more than it helps the Bills. I just I question the thinking behind it. If you're a Carolina, if you're a member of Carolina here, because you lose your star receiver. Granted, Newton's been focusing more on Devin Funches this year than Kelvin Benjamin. But at the same time, though, with with uh, Benjamin gone, teams are going to hone in more on. Oh yeah. On, on to Devin Funches. You already don't have Greg Olson. Jonathan Stewart has been a disappointment at running back this year. And Cam Newton is slowly being figured out by this league. Granted, the Panthers are in the thick of things in a, well, let's be honest, somewhat rough shot NFC South. With the exception, well, but, in fair, pretty much everybody still in the mix in the NFC South, except for maybe Tampa Bay. But we'll, yeah. That's a story for a different podcast here. But why would you take away one of your greatest weapons when you're still in the thick of things in a playoff race, not to mention a divisional race, this early into the NFL season? I don't understand it from a Carolina perspective. I love it from a Buffalo perspective because if Kelvin Benjamin can stay healthy, it helps the Bills. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't get it. Tremendously. Go ahead, yeah, I don't get I, I don't get this at all on a Carolina level. Like you just said, Harry, it's not like they're out of the race. They are in the thick of things. So unless they're basically throwing in the towel already and saying, hey, we're going to look to the future, then this does not make any sense. I mean, did they really even get anything in return for him? They got a couple of draft picks. Not much. Well, exactly. Exactly, that's it. So they got a third. They got a third and a sixth from Buffalo oh, for Benjamin. Yeah. Look at that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's not really much anyway. So unless there was some, the only thing that I can think of in regards to this is either a he had some sort of injury that they weren't letting people know about, or that there was some sort of dissension in the locker room. Because I, no way do you just let your let your top receiver, I mean, like you said, Harry, um, he's not getting as many uh, targets as he has been. They have Devin Funches there now. But still, you like having more options in your receiving core. So I don't, there's, I have a feeling that there's, there's more to this story because it just, on a purely football level, it does not make sense. Steven, hit me with your thoughts here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Calvin Benjamin is, has always been Cam Newton's top receiver. 
Now, I love Dev Fentress. When he came out of Michigan, I was like, wow, I want this guy to do well. And he has been injured. He's been a disappointment. And then you get rid of your top guy, and it's like, and then it's like, you know, why Why did they do that? I mean, and again, like Harry, what, you know, this is great for Buffalo because Tyra Taylor needed a top target. He got a top target. Now, Cam Newton, it's either Devin Punches or give the Saints the division. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the Bills a little bit later on in the show because I do have a question to ask you guys. Dun, dun, dun. But for now, we will move on with the fact that the New England Patriots have finally parted ways with Jimmy Garoppolo, sending him to the San Francisco 49ers for a second-round draft pick in next year's draft. Well, it can't get any worse for San Francisco at quarterback, so do you guys think Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer? Eric? I honestly think so, but... It's going to take a while for it to develop naturally. I think this is going to be the perfect timing for San Francisco. Evaluate him the rest of the season. Looking at the schedule, you're going to be talking about a potentially 0-9 team, maybe 8-8, dot, 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 when Garoppolo starts. He comes in, he can easily win you another 2-3 games. So you have a strong second half of the season to build off of. Then you still have a considerable number of draft picks to where you can start to build around him. I'm not willing to call him the answer just yet, but we come back and we're starting the 2018 season. I'd be leaning toward absolutely. See, here's my thought to that, though, is I, I question if they want to have Garoppolo in to have any kind of possible extended success here since they're already they're in a dogfight with Cleveland for that first pick. I mean, yeah, Cleveland, I mean, in that uh, sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it, these, wasn't it, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it these same two teams battling over the first pick last year as well? Yes. Absolutely. But, but at the same time, rather than waiting to see what Sam Darnold does if he even decides to leave, you've got a guy to where you can at least get him learning the system, being adaptable, building around him, and you can get off the gate or get off the blocks day one next year rather than just hoping for something of a miracle come draft day. Yeah, I mean, this... I get what the the 49ers are trying to do. And, oh, first, when, whenever I think of Jimmy Garoppolo, we, we got to think about uh, Jimmy Kimmel's song from the beginning of last year. <laughs> but um, the I get what they're trying to do. Um, maybe, maybe it'll help them. Uh, they definitely need a quarterback, but they need more than just a quarterback. I mean, we've talked about this with, Cleveland and San Francisco and a couple of other teams who completely focus on uh, quarterback above all else. Um, but on the flip side, you got to, you know, don't want to be too negative here, but, you know, you got to play a devil's advocate here. Why are the Patriots doing this at this point when, you know, what happens if Brady gets a nick and he has to be taken out? For a little it's, bit. Where, where do you go fu- from there? It's funny that you mentioned that, Brandon, because they've actually signed a new backup quarterback for Tom Brady. Oh, who yep. would that be? Brian <laughs> Hoyer. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that I would definitely rather have Garoppolo. 
he actually did decently for them last year in the beginning of the season when Brady was out. Okay, but here's the thing, though. This is a Brian Hoyer that, granted, in San Francisco, it didn't work out. In Chicago, it it kind of worked out. In Cleveland, this guy was the man. This was the guy that everybody wanted starting over Johnny Manziel in Cleveland because he was actually leading the team to prosperity on the field. He helped, Cleveland, he helped Cleveland win six games. I repeat, he helped Cleveland win six games. The yeah, talent that's, a is, compli- uh, that's a huge accomplishment for them. It is. I mean, the talent is there for Brian Hoyer, and as much as it pains me to say this because I can't stand the mother fudger, Belichick is just the kind of coach hey. that would be able to help establish Brian Hoyer's strong points and help him lead that offense should in the event of ta- anything happening to Tom Brady actually occur. Well, I mean... Let's let's consider two things. One, this is where Brian Hoyer started his career. Three years as a backup under Brady in New England. So this is a more than a familiar system. And number two, he doesn't tear his ACL with Cleveland. He's probably still the starter there. Cleveland is at least halfway competitive. And Rob Chudzinski doesn't get fired. So that's <laughs> really saying a lot. And you figure... To bring this guy back, you don't have to rush him. You don't have to really retrain him or do anything. If, worst case scenario, anything does happen to Brady, you've got at least semi-capable hands. Yeah, very true. I'm not do- buying. I, I, want to, I want to put my two cents into this. Garoppolo did well in New England because Bill Pelichick's his coach and he backed up Tom Brady. Now, I mean, I'm not, no, not Kyle Shanahan, but he's no Bill Belichick. And I, even, I don't know if you guys know this yet, but Garoppolo's not going to start. C.J. Beathard's going to continue to start until he starts being so terrible that he need to start Garoppolo. But I'm still on the bandwagon that Kirk Cousins will sign with the San Francisco 49ers come March. Wow. And then he'll, and then he'll ask everybody if they like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to like it, i tell you that right now. Do we have any other stories that we'd like to hit on here before I get to the crazy story of the week? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing that's that significant. Yeah. Because, I mean, for anybody looking for an update for the World Series, I know it's not football, but uh, <laughs> the Astros are 5 nothing. bottom third. The, by the time people... Oh, well, by the time people listen to this, that'll probably be irrelevant, but at the same time... <laughs> good point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he fell. <laughs> Sorry. This is what I get for having the game on in the background. Anyways, all right, we continue on here with these. We continue on with our So That Happened Wacky News Story of the Week. And I simply title this Browns Gonna Browns. <laughs> so the rumor was is that Cleveland was trying to trade for Cincinnati backup quarterback A.J. McCarron. He of Alabama, War Eagle. <laughs> Freaking tied. Anywho. <laughs> the rumor was is that it was a third and a seventh round draft pick, or either that or a second third and a seventh, to Cincinnati from Cleveland for McCarron. And then the rumors came out that the reason the deal didn't go through is because the Browns were so busy celebrating the trade that they forgot to file the trade. <laughs> this has since been... This has since been proven false. However, 
the fact that it was a believable possibility that this could have happened is the most Cleveland thing ever. Am I wrong? No, not at all. No. The, no, the fact that the rumor... Wrong. I mean... The, the, fact that the, ru- the, the fact that the rumor was that believable just shows how poorly run Cleveland is. Because any other team in the NFL, if you heard a rumor like that, even if it was actually true, you would laugh it off and say there's no way that could happen. But Cleveland, it's, oh yeah, I could totally see them doing that. The Browns are basically run like an article on the Onion website. <laughs> that was a great analogy. It, you, you, you could it, write a whole article it, about the Cleveland Browns. It Brown. wasn't that. Go ahead, Eric. And it wasn't that. It was the fact that afterwards you had all the story about Hugh Jackson coming out saying, get me a damn quarterback, get me McCarron. Why are we and the coaches still here while everybody in the front office is leaving at 5 o'clock? It, it, it's just like, there's no way that this could have been spun any worse or any more Cleveland. It's The more that came out, the more Browns it got. <sighs> I reiterate the way that I started this tidbit. Browns gonna Browns. They sure are. Uh, and, and much though I don't think he's as good as everybody thinks he is, Sam Darno, do yourself a favor and stay. Stay where you are. Hold on to every animate or inanimate object you can get your hands on to stay in Los Angeles. Because you want <laughs> no part of this dumpster fire. Yeah, th- th- that Albert Breer has already come out and said he's going to sit and wait and see what happens. And if the Browns wind up with the first overall pick, he's going to stay at USC. Which, I have no qualms with that whatsoever. To which which the very first thought that I had is one of the first comments on on that link on Twitter is a fan saying, yeah, but what happens when the Browns have the first overall pick next year, too? Yeah. Hey, it's very true. I mean, this is a big question, and I'm sure... You know, we can talk about this ad nauseum, so if we want to do this another day, we certainly can. But is there any way that, I mean, because there have been teams both in the NFL and in other sports that have been this terrible in the past and then have suddenly somehow gotten themselves out of the out of the ditch? What do the Browns need to do to get themselves out of this ditch that they've been in for God knows how long. Uh, Brandon, this is a 90-minute podcast. We don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) Pretty much the only only, uh, real solution I can think of is is impossible, and that is get rid of the owner. You know what? Jimmy Haslam actually isn't that terrible of an owner. The problem is, is that... His ideas of trying to t- bring money, money ball, baseball's money ball concept to football don't work because football's a much more physical sport than baseball is. So the best laid plans of mice and men can go sour real quick. And it's more of a watch what players are doing on the field instead of crunching numbers. 
Yeah, and not to mention, all these Moneyball tactics pretty much deal best in one platoon systems. The NFL... Eric, you cut out there. Try that again, man. Eric, can you hear me? Automatic wouldn't carry them. Say, if you look at Moneyball... Yeah, yeah. can you hear me? All right, now I'm good now. Go, go ahead. You were cutting out there pretty badly, so we didn't hear what you said. I apologize. I think Eric might be having a little bit of technical difficulties yeah. right now. Yep, here's so. Right, okay, well, hopefully- me now. Still cutting out. Oh, all right. All right, you sound good now. So whatever you're doing now, stay there because you <laughs> sound good now. Okay. Well, what I was saying was these analytics they only work well with basically one platoon sports: baseball, basketball, etc. Football is a two platoon sport. We have a separate offense and a defense. Just from being able to apply those analytics, you're automatically setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to mention you don't have as much money to spend in football as you do in baseball because the NFL has a salary cap, whereas baseball yeah. does not. Well, but, I mean, they do have at least some teams with more limited success than baseball, but you look at like teams like the 76ers in basketball are doing money ball analytics type things to some success in the NBA. In fairness, the last couple of years, the 76ers have been doing this thing called tanking to get high draft. (laughs) Well, yes, very true. Anywho. (laughs) All right, so that's going to move us on from our So That Happens segment, and that's going to take us into buy or sell. Steven, I told you before we went on air that you got first pick here. Do you want college one, college two, or NFL? Let's go with college two. Mix it up. All right. College two, the college football playoffs rankings were released this past Tuesday night. Oh, boy. And the top four are Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Buy or sell, you agree with those rankings? Uh, this, this is – I knew this is going to be a big one. This is tough, though. Uh, you know, I buy it. I definitely like Notre Dame in there. Because with all this talk about how if they run the table, they could be in the college football playoff. And I didn't think they were going to be NC State. They blew NC State out of the water. Now, the only game standing in their way is the, what everybody knows, the Catholic versus Convicts game, I believe it's called. Yeah. When, when yeah. Notre Dame plays Miami in Miami in but two, one, two weeks, that's going to be a big game for Notre Dame. If they win that game, I'll put them. I would say they're playing the Sugar Bowl for a chance to play in Atlanta on January 8th. Brandon, I already know what your answer is going to be to this, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Buy or sell that you buy this top four? Sell, 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 sell. Big time. (laughs) All right. If you're not not going to 
a la- if you if you aren't going to base your rankings off of the off of what is going on on the field on a week to week basis, then why are you even bothering having rankings on a weekly basis to begin with? There are there is a clear cut top four, even even under the current system of only Power Five apply. No no mid majors need apply. You have a clear-cut four teams that are undefeated still. They automatically get those four spots. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If if you, if you want to put the other teams there, basically implying that, hey, if, you know, if one of these teams loses, they automatically get jumped up into that spot. Fine. That That's what... Everyone knows that that's going to happen. But until those those teams lose, those teams need to have those spots. And I have a bad, bad feeling. Although in, in my own personal way, I would kind of like it if this happened. But I have a bad feeling that even if... Now, a lot of people would disagree with me because of the wins that they would get as a result... But I have a bad feeling that just because of the money, even if Wisconsin and Miami stay undefeated, they will find a way to not put them in. Okay, if Miami stays undefeated, they're in. And the reason I say that is because they would have Clemson and Notre Dame under their win column. That's two of the original top top four. Wisconsin had better hope like hell that Ohio State gets through the rest of the Big Ten East unblemished so that way Wisconsin could have that win on their resume with the Big Ten championship game. But just the fact that you're saying that and basically implying that if Ohio State does not have a perfect record going into the championship game and that it seems as though the Big Ten is weaker, that you're implying that they wouldn't get in even if they were undefeated still – that poses a big problem. See, I disagree because I think you have to recognize what Notre Dame has done. They I, are no, I, I agree are, with that. They they're eight, they're seven and one right now with the only loss coming to the now nationally number one college football ranked Georgia. I Great. understand that concept, but it just it makes it seem as though. Games don't really matter in the way that they're supposed to matter. It, All right, well then, just... uh, uh, allow me to put it this way then. If you want your games to matter, Brandon, don't schedule Florida Atlantic and BYU non-conference. Well, that's something <laughs> that some that's something that some schools just can't control. You know, some certain places, you know, you you can't be Alabama where just your name alone can get you any opponent you want. You know, certain teams, you know, not just in the mid-majors, but also in the Power Five, certain teams, it's, there's that symptom of, oh, if we schedule them, we have a chance, like for the bigger team, for the high-profile teams, they have this aura of, if we schedule them, we have a chance of losing, and that's going to hurt us way more than it's going to help them. So they won't schedule them. See, I disagree with that concept, and I think you can look at a situation like the Ohio State-Oklahoma game. But those, Ohio- are two, 
very high profile. School. That's what I'm saying. Wisconsin needs to focus more on getting higher profile out of conference games. They need to focus but, on getting those SC, those higher level SEC schools, those higher level Pac-12 schools, those higher level Big trying, Twelve schools. The 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 point I'm trying to make is that the uh, those higher profile schools are saying, "Why should I risk my position by?" scheduling a team like Wisconsin or a team like Miami where it's going to be a bigger threat for for us that if we lose we lose more we we lose more places than if we win it doesn't help us if we win but it hurts us a lot if we lose you get All what right, I'm, I'm going to I'm actually going to go to the resident Miami fan for this question here Eric I mean when it First of to... all, before, before you go into your, your thoughts here, buy or sell the category at hand here that you cur- uh, currently agree with the current college football playoff top four. With the whole top four, I'm going to sell. With three of those four, I think they got right. The all one... right, I know, I know which one you're going to say you don't agree with, and I know who you're going to want to replace them with. I will now allow you the opportunity to speak on that. Not necessarily. I don't agree with Clemson. I, that's I, who I figured you didn't want in there. I I don't agree with Clemson, and honestly, even with the one loss, I would still put in Penn State. Yeah, I know, the, but the whole president, everybody's talking about, oh, the Big Ten and conference championship and blah, blah, blah. You dominated that game for more than three quarters and you wound up losing by a point. And it was what? In Columbus? Yes, the game was the game was in the horseshoe. Yes, that is correct. And so you go to the horseshoe, force the home team and their sweet looking gray uniforms to that bad of a performance for a long time, then JT Barrett has to complete his final 16 passes for a one-point comeback win. I think that even with that, you still deserve to be one of the top four teams. Nope, now, nope, and nope. See, this, you kill, you see, absolutely is, kill head-to-head. You kill head-to-head that way. If you're not going to put Ohio State in the top four, you cannot put Penn State in the top four. It's the same reason why Tell Oklahoma that. is ahead to... No, no, Penn State lost less, more games than Ohio State last year. Okay? That's the difference. Penn State beat Ohio State head It doesn't matter. If you have two losses and the other team has one, when it comes down to the end and you look better at the end, Penn State didn't have the rest of the schedule that matched up to Ohio State's last year. Okay, but let me put this. Say that Wisconsin finishes running the table going into... Indianapolis, Ohio State goes in there, trucks them like they did when they won their national championship the first year of the playoff. I would not complain whatsoever about Ohio State leaping over Penn State because the schedule found out wound up working itself out. I would be fine with that. But that's not how that works. What's the point of having games against the other team if you beating them doesn't matter? Because exactly. You, this is they my, happen, but they happen to be in the same division. Can't but fall see, this, how the Big Ten East works. 
this is the whole thing that I've been saying, and I get a lot of people say that, you know, oh, the debate, you know, the controversy and everything creates cash and, and all of that. But if if there's really going to be this much debate over what, you know, this is why I've always loved pro sports better than college, because you win and all you have to do is win. You don't have to worry about your prestige. You don't have to worry about your schedule. You don't have to worry about, you know, how badly did I beat this other team? You just, you win and you're good. And that's why I think either a, they need to expand the playoffs and, or like make a real tournament and make it the way uh, every other college sport is where if you win your conference, you're automatically in and then everyone else, you know, yeah, there are some issues with that, too. I mean, we had some issues with the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. But, you know, um, it makes it a lot more clear-cut. But clear you can't cut. do that, though, with football. How Why many not? people don't I, – I don't – Harry is an absolute outlier, okay? And so are you, Brandon. Most people pay attention to college basketball – once the tournament is about to start when you have the championship games and then the tournament, that's when people pay attention. You know why? Because they realize that the rest of the season doesn't really matter. If you decide that you're going to go ahead and have a 16-team tournament, that whole season, it doesn't matter if somebody loses four games, they're getting in. Like, but, that's what makes this no, thing but, special. No, see, that's, well, that's well, the myth. Sean, I can actually counter that because even though the championship subdivision expanded their tournament from 16 teams where it's now 24, just a couple of years ago, there was a big controversy right even here locally at Jacksonville University. They finished 11-1, wound up winning their conference, the Pioneer League. What did the committee to do? They didn't get into the tournament. They were not. How is that even possible? Well, for first of all, it was up until about two years ago, the Pioneer League did not offer athletic scholarships. So because of that, they did not get an automatic bid. Oh, okay. So, yes, the champion had to be invited. But they were still unbeaten in league play. Being a couple of top teams inside and outside of their conference finished with one loss, yet they didn't get in. So I think, honestly, if you do expand this to 8, 12 teams, what have you, you could still create that intrigue and people would still pay attention to the road. There is, I, I, I would say the whole, 8 the is whole, enough. With, with college football, you can have is, more than 8. There the is no such Go ahead. There's no such thing as a perfect system, guys. There's no way that you're going to be able to come up with something that allows everybody to be happy. The key talking point here is going to be allowing it so that you have the opportunity to have discussion. And at the end of the day, you crown the champion that's most deserving to be champion. Last year, Clemson was the most deserving team to be champion because they took down the defending champions, Alabama, and they did so on the field after defeating everybody else with their lone blemish lying in a one-point loss on the road to Pittsburgh. Absolutely, and that's why 
That my opinion of this talking about. I, hey, you want chaos? You want chaos? You want to? These are the four teams that are going to get in. The first ranking, automatically three out of the four: Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and I said it would be the Big Ten champ, but. You get Clemson. Everybody stays there, which by no means is any guarantee. And no. Every, when the every, convicts beat the Catholics in a... Okay, you keep dreaming about Miami beating Notre Dame. Is Eric's I, having microphone issues again, apparently. I don't know what's going on. His internet connection goes out sometimes. All right, well, what I was going to, what I was going to say ahead. here real quick, what I was going to say here real quick is... It has been a proven fact that the first four of the original college football playoff rankings do not make it to the end. Every year since these playoff rankings have been released, starting back in 2014, at least two of the teams in the original four, and in the first year of the playoff, three of the teams in the original four did not make the college football playoff. We are a long way from done, and it's just a good topic of debate. I'm perfectly fine with this as your set four right now. You have, in my opinion, the most impressive team on the field this year in Georgia— you have Alabama, who's constantly a powerhouse. Notre Dame's schedule speaks to their ability to be ranked as high as they are right now. And Clemson's the defending national champion, so they get a little bit of benefit from that, even though they have that loss to, to excuse me, to Syracuse. Plus, they, their just, quarterback proved that he was absolutely vital. By he went out, the team loses. The next game, he comes back, they win. So. You know, they, they gave him a little benefit of the doubt with that, too. But you're right. There's no perfect system. But even even with this playoff ranking, we got to remember this now takes precedent over, at least for ESPN, this now becomes the default numbers that you see next to these teams. And every week, if we see a team win and win impressively, we might see a Wisconsin go to eight next week. We might see them go to seven the next week. It's gonna. This is going to change. Every week, this is going to be different. The top four may not change if every team keeps winning, but hey, they all got to keep winning, and the, the chances of that happening right now are 1.2%. That's really, really wow. low. Okay, I'm curious. Where did you get that number from? Uh, hearing a <laughs> championship drive podcast today. They, they were doing the calculations. It was 1.2% that everything keeps going where all the four teams keep winning until you get to the championship games. And then and that makes sense because if you look at the uh, projected schedules for each team to win out, multiply them together, yeah, 1.2% sounds about right. Obviously, Georgia Alabama have to play each other if things keep going. One of them got to lose, so... You know. Not to mention, Georgia, still, Georgia and Alabama both still have Auburn on their schedule as well, yeah. and that could provide a test for both of them as well. Notre exactly. Dame still has Stanford at Stanford, still has Miami at Miami. Those are very losable games. Clemson still has to play the ACC championship game, potentially. They also they so still it, play NC State, too. Yep. So there are, there are plenty of games that all four of these teams can still lose. So the opportunities are there for your Penn States, for your Ohio States, for your Oklahomas. The thing I like about this system is that it gives people like us who do these kind of shows something to discuss on a weekly basis. And as a heads up, this will be a question going forward and buy and sell. All right. 
And I'll, it's probably good too because look I'll, at the I'll way probably we do... disagree with if. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, until uh, until uh, Wisconsin and Miami uh, lose, you will know my answer to this question. <laughs> and personally, even if Miami stays undefeated, being a Miami fan, being a voter in our top twenty-five poll, which you can see on w2mnet.com, chill. This. Even with this win, I was tempted to move Miami down because I'm sorry. This does not feel like an eighth-ranked team to me. Are they good? Yes. Top 25 on the fringe. Not eighth. Not even tenth. No. <laughs> well, the thing about it is is that then the committee chair, when he was talking about this with the guys on the ESPN show when they did the reveal, said that Miami does not have an impressive victory. And they no, don't. Plain and simple, they don't. They have an opportunity to get this one this weekend against Virginia Tech. They have the opportunity to get one in two weeks, especially against Notre Dame. But currently, they do not have an impressive victory, and they have not soundly beaten teams that they should be soundly beating to be ranked higher on the t- on the poll. I'm perfectly okay with Miami being 10th in the first ratings. I'm Miami honestly, will go up if they remain undefeated, though. Absolutely. They'll go up if they beat Virginia Tech this week. They'll go up really high. They'll skyrocket up if they beat Notre Dame next week. No doubt. Yeah, if we win, if, if the Hurricanes win their next two games, they could easily crack the top four. I would and they will. If, if the Hurricanes win both of their next two games, they will crack the top four. Yeah. Because they will be undefeated with victories over Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, two original poll top 15 teams. That's what they look at the most. Not to mention controlling their own destiny as far as going to the ACC championship game, which they could meet the winner of Clemson, North Carolina State. So the opportunity lies ahead for all four of these teams, as well as every other team inside of the top ten right well, now. Except so to for say, Wisconsin. Well, yeah, because Michigan's not as good as Michigan should have been this year, and we've talked about that before on the show as well. But, see, that's that's the thing about that is that Wisconsin should own their own destiny, but it seems to me that you guys think that they don't. Schedule better, Wisconsin. Schedule better. That's what I, that's what I said earlier. You can't, be, you can't be getting in when you're scheduling Florida, Atlantic, and BYU out of conference. But, like I said, who, who would want to play them? You ask any of the the top four right now if they'd rather face Wisconsin than any of the other teams in the top four, I guarantee you their answer would be yes. Well, uh, of course. Uh, of course. No, of course. That's not the question. What I'm saying is when you are scheduling in the beginning of the season, because no one expected Wisconsin to be a top four team at the beginning of the season, if you asked a an Alabama or you know any of the top four teams, would you rather schedule a Wisconsin where a win doesn't do you all that much, but a loss hurts you a lot, or a lower end team, a you know a you know mid major school that you know is a pretty easy win? What would I'm, they say? That's I'm not sorry. necessarily true. I'm sorry to say this, Brandon. Your argument here doesn't hold weight, and here's why. Alabama scheduled Florida State when they had DeAndre Francois. Georgia and Notre Dame had each other on the schedule. Clemson played Auburn out of conference. But see, those games, you, those games, they knew 
those games held weight because they were top-ranked schools. But hold on, Wisconsin's been a top-ranked team for the last couple of years. And they were ranked in, like, maybe, like, the 20s in the beginning. Yeah, in the preseason. But last year, when we were doing the top 25s, Wisconsin was basically where they're at now, last year. And they kept a lot of the, uh, you know, they lost T.J. Watt and some other players, but they kept a lot of the guys, and and they're off. They have. Go ahead. I was going to say they have the best running back. Are they have arguably the best, if not the best, the second best running back in college football right now in Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a great running back. They have Al- they have Alex Hornibrook, who has been doing phenomenal things at quarterback there, even though they, he struggled in their most recent game against Illinois when they only won 24-10. to 10. Wisconsin has the pieces there, and they have the opportunity to be a top-flight college program, but at the same time, you have to schedule these marquee matchups five, six, seven years in advance. There's no guarantee who's going to be good when you schedule these matches. You just have to have the balls to actually schedule them. Yep. Absolutely, because when they scheduled BYU... That was back in 12. BYU was coming off of a 10-win season. Since then, they've completely fallen off the map. Wisconsin couldn't help that. I mean, but honestly, now, I don't... limit to where you could only schedule but so far in advance, that would be better, especially with the new playoff and the new committee. Yeah. But, but that's also like why that. if you're Wisconsin, from now on, you have to start looking at teams that have been more consistent. And say, okay, we're going to schedule that team as one of our non-conference, and we're going to like, play them. Yeah. But now, you, I would assume that you have to that that school has to accept. No, I agree. Both schools have to have the balls to actually schedule the match. Like Florida taking the match with Michigan this year—that was a risk for Florida. Because usually Florida doesn't play well out of conference, but Florida's realized over the course of the last couple of seasons that if you have a crap out of conference schedule, it's going to significantly hurt you when it comes time to go down to brass tacks and down to the college football playoff rankings. All these teams know this. I, now. If they're serious about it, they will schedule Wisconsin. Wisconsin will try to go find people to schedule because they know it hurts them. It just depends on the Wisconsin AD and everybody else that thinks, okay, are we going to continue on this track of being this good? You know, it doesn't it doesn't benefit you at all to be padding your stats at this point. We we know what this it doesn't help you. So everybody should from now on start scheduling better. Washington, same deal as last year. Look at look what's I happened. I agree to with them. that, but I mean that. But, see, especially with this, this brings me to something else, and I know this is going long, but, you know, the if especially with how the playoffs are working now and you're talking about wanting all these Power Fives to be, um, you know, scheduling other Power Fives to be padding their schedule so that their schedule looks better come selection time, where does that leave all of these non-Power Fives? It's one you're game. You can still have the still group go- of fives play each other. Yeah, not to mention you're still going to have the opportunity to schedule at least one game a year against these bigger schools because it's not like they're all going to schedule each other every week. 
And then you're still going to have moments like you have with Northern Illinois going to Nebraska and beating them, like Troy going to LSU and beating the Bayou Bengals. These kind of things are still going to happen. We're not going to lose that in college football. But at the same time, you have to have these bigger programs. If they want to have their names in contention towards the end of the season, they have to schedule like they want to have their names in contention, not scheduling Florida Atlantic and BYU as your marquee out-of-conference matchups. I I think the best way to do this and – I mean, I know this would take away a lot from the uh, from the um, individual schools scheduling their own matchups and whatnot. You could do it for the the smaller games, but I think they should do like what ba- what they do in basketball and have. I mean, it would be harder with just five, but maybe have a rotating thing where one conference plays another. And, you know, have a rotating thing where conferences are lined up and teams so are like lined up. So, like the NFL, up. basically? Yeah, pretty much. Or, like, you know, how the uh, Big Ten and Big... Or, I think it's now... Yeah, Big Ten, Big East showdown. Big Ten and Big East teams play each other. Like, likewise with the SEC and the Big 12. Exactly. All right, would be a bad thought. All right, guys, we actually do have to move on here because we've been on this topic for about 15 minutes and we do have two other topics as well as the rest of the show to get through. By the way, just to put a nice tidy little bow on this, Brandon, as to why Wisconsin isn't higher than what they are right now, Utah State, Florida Atlantic, BYU out of conference. That's not going to cut it. All right. I, I I think the best way to handle that throughout college football is to do the, the rotating conference system. And we'll see what happens going down the road. Maybe this will encourage teams even more so to pick up their schedules here. Brandon, we'll go to you here. Do you want the NFL question or do you want the other college football question? We'll go NFL. All right, so I mentioned the fact that we were going to talk about the Bills a little bit later on here. For those of you unaware, I mean, obviously I'm a Bills fan, so I'm very competently aware of this fact here. The Bills have the longest playoff drought in the National Football League. (laughs) Buy yourself, buy your. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> I hope I, I hope you enjoyed having Zeke this season because you'll see him again in December anyway. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, back to the question at hand here, Brandon. Buy or sell? Buffalo is a legitimate threat to get a wild card in the AFC. <sighs> With as much as I would like to buy this i just it, it's the bills um i'm going to talk more about the bills <laughs> later and and the, and this this what i'm going to say later will definitely hurt them in this uh category but um i just think there are just too many other teams i mean look at the nfc west or afc west rather um you know you have at least two definitive contenders, maybe even three. This year, uh, I'd rather have the NFC West in my conference. Well, yes, of course. Uh, but and the the uh, AFC North, you have both Pittsburgh and Baltimore up there. Uh, you know, AFC South, not quite as strong as they have been in years past, but. You know, you may still have one other team that could be a legitimate contender. Uh, the Bills just, they have a lot of work. 
that they have to get through, and I just the Bills are gonna like we said the Browns are gonna Brown, Cleveland gonna Cleveland, the Bills are gonna Bills, and they're gonna fall at some point. They're gonna have a couple of games that they should win that they're not gonna win. Eric, the question goes to you: Buy or sell Buffalo as a legitimate wild card threat in the AFC? I say this all the time, it sounds like, but this year I can actually mean it. I am going to buy the Buffalo Bills as a threat to that wild card. Kind of for similar reasons that Brandon mentioned. You look at the AFC East, the fact that the Bills are even hanging tough with the Patriots in that division is a miracle because, well, Tom Brady. <laughs> you look at the AFC North right now. Pittsburgh's going to teams are going to be strong enough to try to at least keep pace. And let's just face it: the AFC West. As much as I wanted the Raiders to actually do something, sorry, Kansas City is going to run away with that too. AFC South. Well, it's the AFC South. Enough said. I think if you're looking at all the second-place teams where they are, the Bills hold one of the most distinct advantages. And if they keep playing like this, yeah, I see them as potentially a five-seed. Steven, you're up. Buy or sell? I'm buying this because of the Calvin Benjamin move. Also because I'm disappointed in the Titans. I had them winning the AFC South. Clearly, that's not an AFC South winning team. Deshaun Watson is leading Houston to what looks like they will win the AFC South. And Tennessee doesn't look like a wild card team. So I would say New England wins the division. Buffalo finishes about two games behind them. They got a wild card. So I I do like what Buffalo's doing. They signed Kelvin Benjamin. Big signing. Big signing. I like your bills there, Harry. All right. As of right now, the way the wild card breaks down in the AFC, the way the playoff standings break down in the AFC is Pittsburgh – or excuse me, yeah, Pitt. No, I'm yeah, right. Pittsburgh, you're right. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New England, Tennessee, Buffalo, Jacksonville. Yep. Yeah. Rather or oh not the Jag- rather rather or not the Jaguars can hold their own in the AFC South. We will find out as the season progresses. But as we approach the season's halfway point, Eric, both of our teams are in. <laughs> I just, Which I just is, don't know how you can sell this at all. I mean, y'all, y'all laid it out, but, but I mean, the Jaguars are eventually going to become themselves, and the <laughs> no, the Bills sure. are going to win because the rest of this, the Raiders are probably going to luck into the sixth seed because the rest of these teams are so bad. Sean, you don't understand. The Jaguars already are ourselves. And how many times (laughs) do I have to tell you, we don't win in Jacksonville. The fact that we're 4-3 and is a modern day, I don't know what's going on. Because your division is so bad, that's why. And the rest of the AFC is so bad. It's a... Hey... I don't know what's just going on in this universe anymore. I really don't. <laughs> oh, Harry? Did, did we Uh-oh. lose Harry? Oh, crap. I, Are you with me? Yeah, there he is. Okay. 
go. It's off on the final football college question. You ready? Yeah. Go for it. Well, we were ready. We His performance. <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm having. I'm having issues with connectivity of my own apparently at the moment, and I apologize. Am I good? Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah. You're good. good. All right, Eric. The question is. With his performance on Saturday afternoon at the Horseshoe against Penn State, buy or sell that JT Barrett overtook Saquon Barkley as the Heisman Trophy leader? leader. So, uh, I'm going to have to sell. I mean, Saquon Barkley has had way too many consistent, dominant performances this season. So... And even with that game against Ohio State, that was still kind of impressive in its own right. Yes, JT Barrett, as I said, completed his final 16 passes in the fourth quarter to lead that comeback. Yes, he has had a phenomenal stretch, but I don't think necessarily it was enough. Not quite yet. He, he, he's gone a ways there. And he's closed the gap to almost nothing. But to say that he's the leader, no. He's coming on way too late for that distinction. Brandon, same question. Buy or sell that JT Barrett is the current front runner for the Heisman? I'm I'm going to buy this slightly. I think the uh, his performance against Penn State this past week certainly put him in that front-runner category. If you did the votes right now, he may lose it slightly, but I think as long as he continues to perform the way he did last week, I think he has to be considered the front-runner at this point. Steven, you close us up. I'm buying that JT Bear is the front-runner for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, cars. Uh, Saquon Barkley has been an amazing running back, but so has Jonathan Taylor. I mean, and yes, Saquon Barkley has thrown a touchdown pass, so that's another thing he's done well. But J.T. Barrett has thrown touchdowns. He's rushed for touchdowns. He does it all. He is, and I love versatility in football, and I love versatility in a lot of things. But in football, if you're versatile, that says a lot about you. J.T. Barrett's my Heisman front runner halfway through the season. Well, we're more than halfway through the season now. I I have to say that I think Barrett's the front runner now, especially after that Ohio State defense held Saquon Barkley to 44 yards on 21 carries. Granted, yeah. Barkley, Barkley had the impressive 31-yard touchdown. He also had the 97-yard kickoff return. But at the same time, other than the big run that he had, the aforementioned 31-yarder, that's 20 carries and 13 yards in their biggest game of the season. And I always say, your last game, your big game, and your rivalry game, that's what really determines Heisman's. And okay, yes, Barkley did almost nothing. But for JT Barrett to be the front runner, if he winds up doing the same or even more against Michigan, then yeah, the Heisman's his. Or if somehow he magically returns a kick. Over the next few games. Yes, the Heisman's his. Right now, he's in New York. 
but I'm not going to call his name yet. I will say if Penn State makes it to the championship game and Ohio State doesn't, Barkley's winning. Well, that would require Ohio State to lose. Yeah, they could still lose to Michigan. It's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry Uh, game. We saw how close they played each other last year. It doesn't... We've... Hey, just because you think you can walk in there and blow out somebody doesn't mean that it... It's just going to happen magically. You actually have See, to I have it. I actually almost had a bold prediction for our uh, Are You Serious segment here, but I, I'm not going to make this pick because I decided against it. I don't trust it enough to actually go with it. I would not be at all surprised, though, if Michigan State takes down Penn State this weekend. Yeah, I was actually considering that myself. Especially with Penn State on the after effects of this Ohio State loss with JT Barrett driving them down the field with less than two minutes to go to win the game. I wouldn't be surprised if this sends Penn State into kind of a spiral, honestly. But at the same time, the the reason why I decided against is because it may make them mad that they lost at the last second, so they're going to want revenge on Michigan State. I was just about to say it could go the exact opposite way as well by what Brandon just said, too, that they go and they take on – I believe the game's in Happy Valley against uh, Michigan State. I don't think it's in East Lansing. But either way, they could just as easily blow Michigan State out, too. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. And that is going to wrap up our buy or sell segment here. Uh, Due to the fact that we ran kind of long on our discussion in the first buy or sell question, are you guys okay if we bring back Get It Together in two weeks since next week is our special awards show? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. All right, and we're going to go ahead and – Stephen, I'm going to let you introduce this segment because, A, it's your segment, and, B, I like the way you did it when I wasn't here. So, by all means, floor is yours. All right. Well, everybody, all aboard the lane train. Lane train! (laughs) (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, Florida Atlantic is still 3-3. They might have won last week with 4-3 now. But they're getting Uh, a lot of national recognition. I've seen um, Sports Illustrated did one of those little special videos on Lane Kiffin and how he's doing so well. And uh, now that Jim McElwain is out of Florida, and I'm, I'm just going off for Link Kiffin at this point instead of FAU. You know, FAU is doing very well, like I said they would, which is why we have this segment. <laughs> Link Kiffin is uh, <laughs> rumored, quote-unquote rumored, to be one of the candidates for the next Florida head coaching job come next season. Oh, but, you know, God, no. Good Lord. Good Lord. God, no. If you want to rent a coach, go get Link Kiffin. <laughs> no, I, I will. Perfectly. I will. Part, pardon the language here, but I will break every single piece of goddamn furniture I own. <laughs> no, no, it's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. Harry, yeah, it's totally going to happen now. Do you have any idea how insufferable sports television would be locally for me if he decides? <laughs> Do you have any idea how insufferable Florida media would be for me to have to surf through every week if he becomes our head coach? No, no, no. I'm an advocate for it now. I'm an advocate for it. I wanted. I think. I think there's only one. I think there's only one person that would probably be worse for Florida in terms of fans than Lane Kiffin, and that and that head coach's name has two. Starts with two S's. Hey, I would love to have the old ball coach back down in Florida. Forget that. I'm all for it. 
Really? Even though he was a Florida State guy? Uh, Steve Spurrier was a Florida guy, sir. He's he a Heisman Trophy winner for Wait. the Gators. Six. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Steve... I was thinking about... Uh... It's, it's... Steve Spurrier's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for the Florida Even Gators. Even though he betrayed them and went to South Carolina. Yep. Well, that's... Still yeah, still be beloved. <laughs> that's different. You know why? Because it is Steve Spurrier field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. I would absolutely love to have the old ball coach back in the saddle for Florida. But as far as FAU goes, they are a seven and a half favorite point favorite over Marshall, who leads the Conference USA over Florida Atlantic. Interesting game this week. 11, Actually, uh, November third November at six. Can I cut so, you off here, Stephen? Go for it. You are incorrect. Florida Atlantic leads the, the Conference USA East at 4-0. Marshall is 3-1. and one. This game probably decides Conference USA East. Oh, let me check. Oh, now look at that. I have it right okay, in front well, of me on, I have it right in front of me on ESPN.com. Yeah, I'm looking at the app myself. Yeah, I didn't I didn't look at the standing. I just look at the record wise. I thought they were still in front. But big game for FAU. They want to they want to get to beat Marshall and they're going to be in the driver's seat for the Conference USA title game in Boca Raton. No. Not to mention, they, Marshall has to come to Boca Raton and ask North Texas how that turns out. <laughs> <laughs> you hush. <laughs> oh, that's good. Sorry, Sean. Hey, at least North Texas could actually, you know, get in the title game. Watch Florida Atlantic lose this one. Oh, oh, oh. oh boy. <laughs> the lane train will be very bitter next week if Florida Atlantic beats Marshall and North Texas loses oh, again. I'm going to remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Stephen, how was it you closed it out two weeks ago? I don't honestly don't remember. The lane, the lane train has reached its destination. destination. There we go. The lane train has reached its destination. Go FAU. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, guys. I find myself asking myself this question about you guys on a regular basis, but this is the one time on the podcast where it's okay for me to do so. Are you serious? Steven, since you have to get to bed soon due to having oh, yeah. to be up early for work, let's go ahead and start with yours here. Who do you got? All right. My NFL – I mean, there. I said this in our group chat. There is not a lot of good NFL upsets this week. So I just went with I – went, I said to hell with it. Uh, yeah, uh, Zeke's suspended. That's a big loss. But Ross Smith – I mean, Sean and I have talked about this. Ross Smith has done well in both the preseason, done well in the regular season, and the Chiefs have lost two out of three. Chiefs come to town to Dallas, and they fall in Jerry's world. What's up? I haven't gotten one in yet tonight, so this seems like the perfect place for it. Ah! <laughs> That's a bold prediction. Uh, apologies to our listeners wearing headphones. <laughs> Who's your college pick, Stephen? Uh, I wish my, my colleague, Chase, and Eric, you know Chase is. Chase Rissman goes to Oklahoma State University. He will be at the game in Stillwater when the Oklahoma State Sooners upset Baker Mayfield and the Sooners. My, my Oklahoma old, State uh, Cowboys. One of my old right. high school friends. Cowboys one, of my best, <laughs> one of my best friends from high school also went to Oklahoma State, so he would love that. I think right, anybody Steven from World. Oklahoma State listening probably wants to kill Steven right now. How dare you call them the Sooners? <laughs> <My fault>. Yeah. 
Directly tweets at writing fanatic two on Twitter. Oh, Chase, listen. And remember, Chase is going to kill me if he listens to this, Eric. And remember, if you have any complaints at all about our podcast, you can send them to s.garmer at gmail.com. <laughs> no, you do not. You send them to wtubnetwork at gmail.com and then you forward them to Harry because he's the host. He gets you. <laughs> yeah, it's all Harry. <laughs> it's all my fault. All right. Where else can they hear you on the W2M network, Stephen? So that way you can get out of here. All right, I am on the SCU show every week on W2Net.com. I also host This Week in the AFL, NAL Now, and possibly in an American Arena League podcast, podcast coming 2018. You're going to want to check it all out. Also check out InsideTheArena.org. All right, get your happy ass to bed so that way you can get some rest for work in the morning. Later, Stephen. All right, fellas. Good show. Thank you much, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah. All right, Brandon, who's your college upset for the week? My college upset for the week is Arizona over USC. I feel like these Pac-12 upsets didn't go so well for us last week. Yeah, no, they really didn't. But I'm still sticking on the anti-USC bandwagon right now. Well, technically for one of us, they worked out pretty well, Eric. (laughs) <laughs> have you I, I know you got through uh last week yep. and the week before last how far have you gotten on the uh i'm standing? four i'm four episodes back i have four more to do i promise i will have them for our year in review show okay sweet you can't see it but i'm giving a thumbs up on an audio podcast <laughs> uh eric that brings me to you who's your college upset you know, we were just talking about it. I, I, I kind of teased, and especially since I had in the group chat that I was torn between a couple of choices. The one that stands out to me that's still available and I seriously think could happen, NC State beats Clemson and potentially knocks them out of the playoff. Oh, there's no potentially yeah, I, I would, about it. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely knock them out. And in the way NC State was playing, even with how they did against Notre Dame, yeah, it's just done. This could happen. Yeah, I was considering that one myself. All right, so I'm going to join Steven in the Big 12, although I know the difference between Cowboys and Sooners. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Everybody appears to be on the Iowa State bandwagon now. They beat Oklahoma when Oklahoma was in the top five. They beat TCU when TCU was in the top five. Well, now it's Iowa State's turn to get knocked off by former Florida quarterback Will Greer and the West Virginia Mountaineers. And what's really interesting is, you look at the line, West Virginia is a two-point favorite. That tells me everything I need to know about Iowa State. Most people aren't buying Iowa State as a legitimate threat. Uh, the 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 Iowa the Iowa State TCU game came down to defense. The Oklahoma TCU game came down to defense. I don't think their defense is good enough to stop Will Greer in the West Virginia offense. No, you can't do that three times in one season. This is the Big Twelve we're talking about, <laughs> and as. As we've constantly talked about on this show, much like the Pac-12 and the Big 12, nobody plays defense. Nope. Except for Iowa State, apparently. Yes. <laughs> against against TCU. Yes. 
suck it, Kenny Hill. Should have stayed at Texas A&M. Anywho, we move on. Hey, you to and my dud for this week. <laughs> hence my point. And we move on <laughs> to, to the national football. Okay, I'm going to get sued for copyright. So the NFL. <laughs> good, good one. You showed a lot of restraint in not saying that last word. <laughs> League! <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> All right, Brandon, you're up. Who's your NFL upset for the week? Brandon? It's it's only appropriate. The rest of us have all had audio issues on the night. Why wouldn't he? Bisco, can you hear me? <laughs> Fantastic timing. Bravo. Eric, why don't you go ahead and I'll see if I can't I'll see if I can't find his in the group chat. A little bit of a factoid with this game. Now that the playing in Mexico City has become a little bit of an NFL tradition, these were the first two teams to ever meet during the regular season in Este in uh, Estadio Azteca. Now granted. They're not having such great seasons. One of them is right in the race for the first round overall draft pick. And honestly, I think that they're going to take themselves out of that race. Call it what you will, but even looking at the lines, this is considered an upset. San Francisco beats Arizona, gets their first win of the season. So I think it's an upset from the fact that San Francisco is winless going into the game anyway. At least that's from my own personal perspective. Yeah, and I mean, with that, I would still consider this a little bit of an upset anyways, even though look who's currently quarterbacking Arizona. But hey, if it was Ryan sucks out loud. No, Sean, trust me. If this were Ryan Lindley out there, I would not call San Francisco winning an upset whatsoever. You you've seen you say sucks out loud. I've seen worse. I've seen worse in Arizona. is awful. Come on. And again, Ryan Lindley is even worse. The man I, literally never threw a touchdown. I, I will say this: it's an upset because it's the last game that C.J. Beathard is going to quarterback for the Forty ers Because Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to be leading the Forty ers to winning. Yeah, he's going to lead them to winning, but he they've already said he's not starting this week. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's the last game where C.J. Beathard has a chance of getting a win. And if he does, so it's an upset because the rookie QB got the win. Or do, or do we think that Garoppolo will get there in time to actually play in this game on Sunday? No. I, it's they, not about the getting there. It's about having time to practice and getting used to the team and all that. Yeah, yeah, Florida just learning the system. Yeah, they've already said this week wouldn't be enough time. Yeah, Florida tried that with Malik Zaire to start the season against Michigan, and it didn't go so well. Not whatsoever. <laughs> Baseco, you back with us? Yes, now I am. Okay. Uh, NFL edition. Are you serious? <laughs> You're going to love this, Harry. We already talked about this on the group chat. Jets, at home, beat the Bills. 
The Bills are gonna Bills. Oh boy. I almost this, feel this the is, need to this is a this is a divisional rivalry game. It is in New York and the Jets have been notoriously good against the Bills, especially when the Bills have been playing well during the season, like a la a couple of years ago. Is there a button I can press to hang up on him again? You're, you're gonna. Uh, you can have the. You also have the Christmas tree game too with the color rush. So, you know, all the colorblind people are gonna have problems watching the game. So, you know. Can I just point out that the Bills oh, yeah. color the Bills color rush uniforms are some of the ugliest in the NFL. <laughs> like seriously, I'm what actually kind of. What kind of blind ass? The Jags are worse. That mustard yellow, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, Those weird helmets. Thankfully, they have gotten rid of the mustard color rush jerseys. My prayers were answered. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, Eric, your prayers won't be answered this week in the NFL, as my Are You Serious for the Week is Cincinnati going to Everbank Stadium and taking down the currently number six of the AFC Jacksonville Jaguars? Okay, <laughs> Dawn, you remember our conversations about this. I'm going to enlighten you, Harry. You know why I'm not mad at you for making that pick? Because you probably predicted it yourself on the football to the max? Yes, and I predicted that because where is this game being held? Everbank Stadium. How many games have the Jaguars won at Everbank Stadium this season? I believe the answer to that question is zero. I rest my case. They're going to make emergency flights to London so they can win. (laughs) No, emergency flights to London, Cleveland, anywhere but Jacksonville. They play it in Cincinnati. (laughs) Yeah, Jacksonville. Game and go to Cincinnati and play this one. We could sack Andy Dalton about eight times. It would be brilliant. Tell, tell the NFL, nah, nah, it's cool. If they want to host this one, we're fine with it. Yeah, yeah just make the Jaguars a traveling team the rest of the season. That's fine. The, the Jaguars uh, probably wish that they were like they had a dome like the Vikings so that they could pop it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened. The plumbing stopped working, so we can't play at home. Yeah, it just, we don't know. What? It's still hurricane season. There's another one coming through. No, no, we can't. No, no. (laughs) Okay, see, I watched too much wrestling when you said there's a hurricane coming through. I thought of Shane Helms. I'm like, what the hell is he? (laughs) That's a sign sign that I watched too much freaking wrestling. Wow. Well, All right, I, so, oh, go ahead, Brandon. I, I I don't know if you guys watch Stranger Things, but when uh, Tori and I were watching Stranger Things, one of the episodes is called Dig Dug, and I thought it said Big Dog, and I was thinking Roman Reigns. <sighs> the less we have to mention Roman on this show, the better we are I'm off. Sorry, I had to. That. That will be the first and only mention of Roman on tonight's episode because I'm about to wrap things up. Anywho, 
Stephen kind of mentioned it before he went, he got off of the air here. We talked about it while we were doing our predictions as well. There will be a very special edition of the kickoff next week. We will still have our studs and our duds. We will still have our Are You Serious? We will not have our Buy or Sell segment. We will not have our Get It Together segment. Instead, we present to you the kickoff's midseason awards for the NFL and our updated predictions though misguided they may have been at the start of the season for what 12 oh, teams we think for what 12 teams we think are going to make the playoffs like the giant never mind <laughs> don't my get team has a, me started my team has a winning record brandon yes i know just about everyone else has a better record than the giants oh no there's no just about everyone on this everyone on this thing does because sean and well, steven no, the cowboys I'm, no, fan. no i no i'm just saying in the nfl in general i'm not talking about on the show i knew that already well here's hoping you have a couple of fans listening to the show that like the browns although after they heard our discussion on the browns tonight maybe aren't gonna like the show anymore well, or like the, the 49ers, 49ers. Yes. So we will be presenting next week on episode 11 of the kickoff, our NFL midseason awards. We'll talk about an, our offensive player of the year, our defensive player of the year, biggest surprise, our, who we think is going to win the various individual categories for the season, which, by the way, guys, do your research for that. Rushing, passing, and receiving. I want you guys to predict the end of the season leader for those three categories. In addition, we will also update our 12 teams that we have nominated for the the race to the Lombardi Trophy. Our playoff predictions get updated next week here on the kickoff. Um, I'll go last here because i got to wrap up the show when I do mine. Brandon, where, where else can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at Fisco underscore Gotham SN, and that's pretty much it right now. we got to find you a second podcast to plug, sir. Yes, I mean, I've been, well, I mean, if I, if you guys need me to jump on any of the wrestling, you know, weekly shows, I certainly can. I might have to talk, I might have to talk to you about next Sunday. If my current plan for next Sunday falls through, I'll let you know. Okay, for uh, Survivor Series? No, me and Patrick are doing Survivor Series, but the weekend after is Shimmer. I have a co-host lined up, but it's not guaranteed yet. If that falls through, I'll let you know. Oh, okay. Sean, where else can they find you here on W2M besides everywhere? Uh, Suds everywhere. Uh, Just (laughs) at W2M Sean on Twitter. You'll find me basically talking about soccer or wrestling or games or something. And, uh, yeah, football to the max with Eric. Uh, Soccer to the max with Eric. Uh, We just did one last night, so... Uh, we have you updated on all the playoffs for MLS and all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, also the W2Ms twice a week, video games to the max, all that stuff. So, so <laughs> many podcasts you can find me on. So, Sean just took wrestling to the max and soccer to the or excuse me, football to the max and soccer to the max. Eric, what else do you have to plug? Uh, I am also with Steven on Inside the Arena, at Inside underscore Arena on Twitter. You can find myself personally at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. Uh, I also with Steven on This Week in the AFL, and I am currently planning on doing a double catch-up 
two-episode megatacular of point of viewer within this week. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that, because, yeah, there, there's a little bit of craziness that I have to catch up uh, the listening public on. All right, so you can find all of these shows and so much more over at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find me over there on the SmackDown Live and 205 Live reviews with Lace Puglisi, Wrestling Unwrapped with Patrick Ketza, and every now and then I fill in on Raw or NXT, and if I'm not on those shows, you can still get the opinions of Paul and Gary, and those guys are both awesome too. So make sure you check out www.w2mnet.com for all of your wrestling, football, soccer, video games, entertainment, movies, and so much more. All your needs are available at w2mnet.com. So for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, for our producer-turned-co-host this week, as well as next for the awards show, Eric Watkins. My down-since-day-one co-host, Stephen Er the Third, who's not with us now. He had to head off early. And Brandon Biskabing. I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to Episode 10 of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. We'll talk to you guys next week with our midseason awards. Have a good one. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.